Hey everybody, Bees with Ben here. Got a, uh, a little bit of a different episode today. We're talking about, obviously, bees are one big family. Um, and today we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, and my name's Ben Moore. Now this is uh, coincidental. <laughs> but on the line, all the way from New York. So we had to wrestle a bit of a, a time difference, uh, which is all part of the fun and seasons. We're going to hear all what it's like keeping bees as a commercial beekeeper. So on the line, I have Cindy and Charlie Moore. How you doing, guys? Good. How are you? Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, for your time because obviously we're wrestling this sort of time difference and seasons and so forth. So uh, so we're going to jump in there. We want to hear uh, many things. We're going to all about keeping bees and so forth. But probably the first one, how did you guys uh, get started into keeping bees? I took over my uncle's operation um, when I was about 32 years old. I, I worked on farms all my life as a farm manager, went to college for farm management. And then he needed help when he was getting ready to retire. And I actually joined in his business about 16 years ago. Um, awesome. Here so, we are. And here you guys are. Yeah. So, and now we're, like, we're serious beekeepers because you guys have got over 1,200 hives. Yes. We actually sometimes can run a little more. Sometimes it's a little less, you know, with the um, bees. Um, mortality nowadays it's um you know it, it goes up and down yeah and we'll, we'll talk about that because obviously you know talking about pests and diseases obviously here in australia compared to america new york is going to be completely different so um so obviously you're you're living in new york now so how does how does the uh running bees like how far do you guys travel where do you keep your bees how does that all uh, work as far as your business well, right now, the bees are presently in Fort Myers, Florida, and they're in the orange trees waiting for the orange blossoms to happen. And then a percentage of them, about half my operation, is in California, and they're in almond pollination right now in Central Valley, California. And then in the springtime, we bring them up and put them in the apple trees in western New York and pollinate apple trees, and then we make summer honey in New York, and then in the fall, we go back to Florida and start over. Yeah, we're what they call um, migratory beekeepers because we move around with our beehives a lot. So. Wow. Um, well, we- that's incredible, Cindy. So when you say migratory, so, so how long? Now, uh, I'm not so good with uh, geography, but from Florida to California, how long does that take? It's about four or five days to drive, and it's about 24 to 2,500 miles. Wow. Yeah, about like, what, 30, 34 hours, actually. And then from New York to Florida is about 1,700 where we're going miles. And that's about two and a half, three days. Wow. That's incredible. That is absolutely. When you guys say migratory, you fared income are migratory beekeepers. That's that's incredible. So now, so the almonds are about to, they're all coming through now in California? Is that they're, Are they flowering now or about to flower? Yes, they are flowering right now. And then the orange trees in Florida will probably flower within 10 days. And both trees take about four to five weeks blooming cycle. Okay, four to five And then they return okay. to it. Okay, interesting. Okay, and, and sorry, Charlie, sorry, you're about to say, sorry. No, you're okay. So we make a little bit of an orange blossom crop 
in Florida, and then we do make some almond honey. Um, almond honey is a bit like molasses. It's a darker, stronger, funkier tasted honey, and then the orange blossom is, you know, everybody's exotic dream come true. Mm-hmm. Um, we process the honeys in Florida. We sell them, get paid, and some pollination monies come in, and then everything, the whole operation gets wrapped up and goes to New York. Um, everything gets moved on tractor trailer trucks that we hire with special nets and special machines and everything gets loaded and transported carefully, watered and cooled by air and off they go. And and we move the whole operation all around the country, wherever we're needed. Yep. So we do. We actually used to go all the way up to Maine um, before for the blueberries, the wild blueberries up in Maine. Um, So yeah, we've been, we've been, We've been everywhere. So, so you guys are just li- almost like living in the truck when it's when it's time to to uh, to move the bees. You're just almost you're living. Yeah, almost. We get to stay in one place for four or five months at a time. Oh, so, okay. okay. Yeah, so it's not it's not terribly migratory, but then you know if you have equipment in New York and you're in Florida, you might have to make a two week trip <laughs> in the middle of your four or five months. But we're we're pretty we we try to you know have somewhat of a normal life. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's that's unreal. And and obviously with the almonds, because in Australia we've got a lot of I think they were only small compared to California, uh, the almond industry. But I think they need about I think it's three hundred thousand hives, and that it's growing. Now there's often a talk about you know the price per hive to put on the almonds. Um, and people always sort of, it's a very interesting topic that comes up to play. So what's the, in America at the moment, what's the going rate per hive to put on almonds for pollination? It's somewhere between $160 a hive to 220 depending on the geography and whether or not they're single or double hives and, you know, the farmer's willingness to pay and the quality of the bees. Well, they actually go through inspections, and the stronger the hive is, the more money you would get paid, um, and, you know, the weaker it is, and then, or if they find any dead ones, and then they're not going to pay you for those. Uh, so, it goes by how strong they are, too. Okay, interesting. It's a very similar to here in Australia, uh, but I think if you convert it in, in American dollars, I think they're paying about, it would be 130 Australian, probably about 100 Australian dollars, which is there's a bit of a, you know, the beekeepers aren't excited about it. You know, what I mean, and I think we we, you know, if we're going to be pollinating and and uh, putting our bees on almonds, and obviously the work and the stress on the bees and everything, you know, it should be up there. You know, for for, for that sort of American price is what we should. So it's always a very interesting topic. And um, and Charlie, you mentioned before about the orange blossoms. Is that a paid? Um, Paid pollination, or do you just get um, the orange blossom honey from the from the farms? Yeah, it's symbiotic. We we pollinate, don't get paid, but we do get all the orange blossom honey we can make, and they do usually make a pretty good crop. Okay, interesting. Okay, and what? And speaking of honey, any other crops that you sort of target? Is there any other sort of big big honey flows or nectar flows that you guys do? Yes, in the springtime in New York. The apple trees go right into the locust trees and then right into basswood trees. So we make a very fruity, beautiful, very light spring honey. And then after July, there's a lot of wildflowers here, goldenrod and wild asters and some other 
um, fall flowers, and we make a, a darker honey called wildflower honey in the fall in New York. Both those crops usually are pretty big crops for us, um, but you know, selling them is a, a little tricky. Yeah. Okay. Then also, then also, we um, here in New York we pollinate the the apples and the cherries, so they make a little honey on that. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Interesting, Cindy. And, and, and speaking, obviously, Cindy, you've got an awesome little um, Instagram page that you're doing. So, I, I, and I'll put this in the show notes for everyone to check out. And that's uh, one word. So, Sweet Cindy's Honey. Sweet Cindy's Honey. Yep. Cindy with a C. And uh, so, I'll put that in the show notes so everyone can check it out. Because you're doing some really cool stuff. And that's how we connected. Uh, I sort of follow you on Instagram and sort of loving what you what you guys are doing. And we sort of um, had a bit of communication backwards and forwards and talking about sort of uh, adulterated honey and the issues with uh, honey coming imported from overseas. So, so Cindy, what's your thoughts and views and how is that affecting, you know, the American beekeepers? Well, yeah, that's a big issue right now. It's been an issue for about two years, I would say. Um, this packers are actually buying honey from uh, places like China and Vietnam for, um, uh, how do I say it, like twice as less the money that they're actually paying here. So a pound of honey um, to wholesale will be 240 a pound. Um, and they're actually buying this, you know, Vietnam Chinese honey for like 80 cents a pound, wow. sometimes even less than that. So, you know, they'd rather buy the honey that uh, they'd rather pay that money to other people that rather than support the Americans here, you know. So I actually know we have a friend, a very good friend of us that um, is in Florida, and he's actually got 400 barrels that he couldn't sell last year because of that issue that, um, you know, the packers are bringing or rather pay um, money to some, to somebody else. And, you know, the, the deal is that um, some of these places adulterate the honey. And um, so what they're, what these packers are doing is they are mixing the American honey with, with the other, with the other honey so that they can trace it less. If, right, Charlie? They're, um, they will take like 10 barrels of American honey and blend it with, a, you know, 100 barrels of foreign honey that's adulterated and call it a product that's been made in this country, um, assimilating that it's USA honey and tricking the American public. Um, a lot of the honey that comes over here has rice syrup in it, which is hard to detect, and illegal antibiotics, which are dangerous to the public. Um, there is some lobbyist groups going on trying to put an end to it, but the capitalism here, you know, the, the packers, they're getting the honey, you know, at 20% of its value from overseas, so they're going to buy as much as they can, and until it's stopped and used up, you know, it's going to be a fact of life that it's hard to sell honey. Yeah, One of the reasons we started the uh, SweetCindy's.com. Yeah, the, the retail honey. Yeah, because we can, we couldn't sell our. We actually still can. We got barrels and barrels in our barn, uh, you know, full of honey because um, these people. Even, I mean, they said it to us. You know, he says, you know, Charlie, we can, we can buy honey over in China for 60, 70 
cents a pound, why would I pay you two forty? You know, and wow. then I believe that's absolutely wrong because that's cheating the public when they're actually putting uh, the label that says U.S. Um, you know, American honey, wow. and they're and people don't know the difference between it. You know, so my page is about trying to educate people on raw honey. That is uh, um, way better. That you don't get cheated on. Oh, I couldn't. <laughs> we agree. make a very agree. We make a very healthy, clean, safe honey that you could feed your children. You know, yeah. we're all about being natural and semi-organic and put a good product out for good people. Yes, I, I, I totally align with that, guys. Because you know, we had the same problem here. Uh, in Australia where, you know, foreign honey is getting mixed with Australian honey and called a product of Australia. So the rules have sort of changed now where they've got to actually state the percentage. So you've got to have like a little labeling. So there's a legalities that come through. I think it's the last 18 months, two years, where it's got to say, you know, what ingredient of it is is uh, Australian. So there is honey out there. Um, I've actually got one in front of me right now. Um and it's it's uh, Gardner Gardner mixed blossom honey. It's Australian one, and it's got pro, uh, packed in Australia from at least twenty percent Australian ingredients. So what that means is, yeah, you know, I mean eighty percent of it's foreign, and that's what it sounds like it, you guys need to do over there in America because it's you know it's a, such a big big problem. Did, out of interest, did you guys go to Appamondia in Canada? Um, was it two years ago? They do have it. We have it. Uh, attended recently, but yes, they do have an apple Monday. Yes, yeah, because I was talk about that with obviously fraudulent honey, and it's a, and it's a big problem around the world. So, and and guys, what about Cindy Charlie? What's the you know, obviously issues other than the honey side of things? What's what's the hardest part about you know keeping bees in in America for you guys? Or- the mortality rate has gone up. When I started in 1992, it was three four percent a year. Now it's about 40 percent with chronic collapse. Um, the parasites have got resistant to the, the medicines, and you have to be careful which medicine you use if you want to make a safe, clean product. So you have to sort of be willing to accept a little higher mortality rate to make a more natural, safer product. Wow. So And, and so, Charlie, when you say mortality, so uh, obviously it was over a decade ago now, this CCD, colony collapse disorder, is that what you're experiencing now? You know, is that what, what yeah. people experience? Really? Yeah, it's been ongoing for a couple of years now um it seems to run parallel with bad weather spells so if you get a really cold wet spring or a really cold wet fall then the mortality rate spikes for a month or so and then you know after that we we hire queen breeders to supply us with queens and take some hives out of production and then we make splits and get our numbers back but then that hurts our honey production and our pollination production so it's sort of goes up and down with a probability uh, compared to the mortality wow and, and so when you say so the, the colonies collapse are they are they flying off and dying are they dying within the hive how, how is that actually physically happening to the bees yeah well the bees immune system gets gradually weak and you think you're okay and they go out to work and then they never come home so gradually the hive gets smaller and smaller over a two-week period until it's just a little handful of bees and then they sort of peter out and die. Um, and the other bees don't even seem to want to go near the hives. And they don't seem to mess with the pollen or the honey that's in them. They just sort of leave them alone. Yeah, sometimes they even, uh, there'll be hives full of brood and they will just um, 
yeah, they will just leave the brood. It's like Charlie says, uh, the bees never come back. And uh, yeah, sometimes there's, there's been, especially in the fall time, we've been pulling, you know, bees that pull a brood and no bees. Wow. That's, that's incredible. That's that's a really um, – and, and so you mentioned, obviously, weather plays a part in it. But what – so what what are your thoughts? Do you think it's um, like chemical usage, obviously, pests and diseases? What, what's the contributing factors other than the weather, guys, that you, you think that's happening to the bees? I think it's multifactorial. Tracheal mites, varroa mites, resistance to mites, the virus called PMS, paramedic mite syndrome, seems to be stronger and harder to take care of. There's a type of uh, nosema called serrana nosema that came out of Asian, out of Asian honey. It seems to inflict the bees. And then there's talk about cell phone towers, and then there's talk about wind power, and all the different things, cell phones. It all just adds up to you know where you place the bees and where the weather is and how many factors are against them. There's so many changes in our world now that they're under pressure all the time. Yeah, that's that's incredible. It's, it's interesting, you know. I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but in Australia, you know, most of those, um, you know, tracheal mites we don't have, varroa destructor we don't have. So I think people sort of maybe take it for granted in Australia because beekeeping, you know, it's got its challenges. But I tell you what, and having travelled around the world and seen many places where there's varroa mite, tracheal mite, and all these these various um, pathogens that affect bees, it's easy for us to keep bees in Australia. It really is. Hmm. It's really, so it's kind of, you know, so on the subject of royal mites, how do you guys, what, what treatments do you use there? So I'm guessing you don't have time, you can't use vaporization, can you? you? You have to use like various mite strips and that type of thing? Yes, you have to buy the mite strips that are sold by the apiary industry, and you have to do it according to the law or else your honey will be seized and taken away. So when you see high mite counts, you treat according to the industry, and then, you know, you pull the strips out as soon as you can and get back to work. Um, and they're sold by the two or three major um, apiary companies yeah. here. They're inspected by the government. Yeah, that's another thing that the, our beehives get inspected every year. we got to have permits to move them. we got to have inspections. Make sure you know that they um, don't have any diseases, um, so that we are able to move them out of the state. And um, so, yeah, we gotta follow the rules and regulations here. And like Charlie says, this medicine is only uh, um, sold by by this company, and um, they they actually make sure that we use it, um, and that we're treating our bees right. Interesting. Okay. And are you finding that the, the mites are creating a resistance to some of these miticides? Yeah, they have to change the formula on the strips six months to every year now because the mites get totally resistant to the strips. When the strips they sell you don't even work, and then there's beekeepers that start lawsuits to the strip companies because the strips aren't working and they've lost their whole operation. So it's a little bit of a mess right now. There's a lot of people experimenting with organic home remedies like 
spearmint oils and wintergreen oils and oxalic acid. That's another thing acid. that we. Mm-hmm. It's another thing that we use that we incorporated into into our medicine program, just because um, it, we were just losing way too many bees for the mice and uh, um, like Charlie says, the bees became resistant to this. We actually uh, lost half of. Uh, or operation about three years ago, we put the strips in, and by the time they hit Florida, we were just um, picking up dead stuff, dead after dead stuff, and it was just, um, it was heartbreaking. It was, I, I was totally shocked that, um, you know, that we did everything that we had to do, and, and not only us, but other beekeepers, commercial beekeepers were doing the same thing, so we had to talk, and then, you know, the inspectors have to sit down and, and want, you know, figure out what it was. And that's when they start changing the formulas um, because they've noticed that these are not these, but like the mice were becoming um, resistant to, to the treatment. Wow. That's, that's so interesting. And so, and so guys, what about in the next sort of 10 years? So let's say, well, nine years, say 2030, where, where do you guys see the beekeeping industry and where do you guys see yourself? Well, <laughs> um, to be honest, it's actually been so hard for us to find help. Like, I have not seen people interested in, in beekeeping. They think, it's, first of all, it's, it's a very physical job. Yes. Especially when it's about to, you know, pull honey and extract honey. So it's very, yeah, it's very physical. Um, so we actually been having trouble finding help. I think the direction of the industry is a lot like dairy farming in this country, that there'll be a small amount of large corporate commercial companies with tens and twenty thousands of hives and huge crews that are doing pollination at high prices. And then the American beekeeper will probably be a guy with two, three hundred hives who sells his honey at the public market to people who want to save clean product. Okay. So eventually... We're either going to have to be bigger or smaller. Or smaller, yeah. Okay, that's that's a very yeah, that's a um, very good point. Very interesting, sort of seeing that. So, and uh, what about guys? What about so you might have both uh, different answers, but um, we'll start off with you, Cindy. Is uh, what's the best part about beekeeping for you? <laughs> wow, the best part about beekeeping is the traveling that I just get to live here in New York during the winter time. <laughs> awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I really, I don't know. I, I, I love bees. I mean, sometimes I get stung up a little too much, but I, I don't know. I just, um, just to be out there in nature, you know, just spending time with, with nature. Um, I think that's my favorite part about beekeeping. Just, yeah, just spending time with, with the bees and it's, because I'm an animal lover, I'm a critter lover. Um, so anytime you put me with any critter, except for spiders or snakes, you know, <laughs> I'm not too good with those. But yeah, anytime I'm spending time with with critters and nature, I, I'm I'm a happy girl. Yeah, love it. Awesome, awesome. And uh, what about you? <laughs> oh, baby. Well, yes, yeah, Charlie. What about you? I was born and raised by farmers to be a farmer. And I am a farmer. 
So I've, I've done all kinds of farming. I don't just do the bees. There's years we buy some cattle or grow some corn and we have other agricultural products, but I'm a farmer. Yep, so that's like, what I am. So that you farm it, the farming's in your blood. So you just, yeah, just farming and looking after the land and looking after the bees. Yep. Yes, yep. Uh, that's so, right. so, so you do. You mentioned you do cattle as well. Uh, so you run. I a, do. I do small amounts. You know, projects like we might raise ten or twenty feeder calves or ten or twenty sheep. One year, Cindy raised some figs. Um, we try other small agricultural products. We grow some blueberries. We grow some raspberries. We do organic garlic. Anything that we can sell and make, you know, enough money farming. Okay, that's um, that's awesome. And so doing doing all those little things, you just sort of, you know, I mean, so much to learn. You know, I mean, that's what I personally love about bees. You know, there's so much to take in and uh, and learn. Um, now you mentioned before about uh, about snakes. Do you do you guys uh, have you ever lifted up a beehive and there's been a been a wriggly stick, what we call a wriggly stick or a <laughs> snake underneath the hive? <laughs> I've seen snakes yeah. uh, pick up our, our bees are on pallets and we move them around with skid steers and we pick up pallets and the snakes go across Cindy's feet and then she gets in the truck and hides. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So that, I don't have any much problems with the spiders because um, I see them often, almost like every day, you know what I mean? But but the snakes, uh, yeah, no, thank you. No, okay, so no, on the snakes. And uh, have you got any funny sort of, um, any funny beekeeping stories? Oh, my goodness. We got, well, I don't know if they're funny, but they're interesting, you know what I mean? Like, um, well, now that I look, when you, when you look back at them, they are funny, you know. But, um, oh, my gosh, yes, we've gotten stuck. We have broken trailers. We have... Um, put the bobcat in the ditch um we got all kinds of (laughs) it's it's rough terrain we've been in northern maine in the mountains and california in the mud that's three feet deep and then in florida in the sweltering heat and ditches on each side of us and accidents happen and when that happens it's terrible but when you watch the video you laugh the next day it's really cool (laughs) That's, it can be tough. Oh, definitely. It's funny you mentioned about getting bogged because I think when when you get bogged, there's something it stirs up all the emotions. You know, there's sadness when you get bogged. There's uh, there's anger. There's frustration. There's happiness when you finally yeah. get out. There's I, I think getting bogged is you know, every year I seem to get bogged. It gets stuck in the mud and and crap, and it's it's, yeah. it's a horrible, absolutely. Um. Yeah, getting, it's, it's funny. Yeah, it's no, it's not funny. It's absolutely horrible, and it's so. Uh, it is horrible when it's happening, you know, to you that moment. But when you look back, you're like, ha ha ha! You did this. You, you what the hell were you thinking? Exactly. <laughs> so. That's that's so funny. And so, uh, and so you you mentioned before at the start. So you guys are in New York now. Yes, yes. we are in New York right now. Now, now for those, so I'm looking out my window here. It's a bit, uh, I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit, but thirty—I think it's going to be thirty-three degrees Celsius today. So, 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 looking out your window, what do you guys see? It's nine degrees um, Fahrenheit and about four or five feet of snow. It's super frigid and cold, and we're only going to be here a couple of days, and then then we're going to go to Florida where it's warm. Go Florida, go, go south. That's what we do. Yeah. 
we we go uh, yeah. obviously in the uh, southern hemisphere. We go we go north. So, um, and uh, last question, guys. So, um, if knowing what you know now, you know um, this goes for both of you because once again, two different um, two different answers, I suppose. But we'll start off with you, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Knowing what you know now uh, about bees, beekeeping, your business, what would you change? You know, knowing now, if you go back in time, what would you change? I pretty much got it the way I want it. Um, there are points in times when I, I maybe should have borrowed money and bought more advanced and newer style equipment so I didn't struggle as much. But my farm has always been bought and paid for as I go. So I've had to take on some struggles not to have overhead. Okay. Um, but it is it is our farm. Okay. And, and um, what about you, Cindy? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of what would I change. I don't, like Charlie says, um, I wish he would have gotten into more like, um, super duper equipment, you know, so that we didn't have to struggle too much. I remember 10 years ago, uh, we used to have this, uh, super old extraction or extractors and it took us nearly nearly 10 hours to do like four barrels right and it's struggle after struggle and um you know right now now that we can afford better equipment we do we do pretty good um and so it would be the thing that i would change i wish that we could have had the 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 fancy equipment to get through through the work even better easier Yes, I, I agree, and I think sometimes we sort of, when we we buy equipment, we are uh, sort of don't think bigger picture, and as you said, you know, I mean, not having getting the 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 good bigger equipment to do whatever processing needs to be done. Yeah, so no, I, t- I totally align with that. That's something. Um, yeah, totally agree. Now I just uh, jumped on my computer because you guys said um, nine degrees Fahrenheit. Um, about 80% of the audience that listens to this podcast is uh, Aussies. So for us Aussies, that translates to minus 12.7 degrees Celsius. That is absolutely incredible. Nine Fahrenheit is minus 12 degrees Celsius. So that's incredible. So, um, And your website, you guys, as I said before, um, check you guys out on uh, Instagram, which is um, Sweet Cindy's Honey. I'll put that in the show notes. And you guys have got a website too. So, um, yes, same, same. com. Yep. And uh, that is awesome. And I just want to say big thank you, guys. You stay warm because <laughs> that's, that's free. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll try for sure. Stay, stay. <laughs> That's good. Good talking to you both. Thank you so much, Charlie. Thank you, Cindy. Absolutely. Keep up the great work. And um, yeah, you're both doing an awesome job. And um, uh, I'll put in the show notes and really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much, Ben. It was it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Awesome. Love Take care. It. Take care. See you guys.